Hello and welcome to the ETOF21 Sports Podcast for June 19th. How is everyone doing? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF21 Sports. You can find my work at ETOF21 Sports on Twitter, Daily Takes, everything at ETOF21 Sports underscore on Instagram if you're looking to become part of the sports betting membership at ETOF21 Sports underscore fantasy. Wednesday winners, first edition was this past Wednesday. That is every Wednesday I'll be giving out a fantasy football player that will help lead you to a fantasy football championship. Also at ETOF21 Sports underscore horse underscore racing for horse racing bets over the weekend that are free. Guys, how are we doing? Now, I have to warn everyone, the show is going to be a little different. Um, Normally, I record Saturday morning, come out Saturday afternoon, but I have a business trip I need to go to Indianapolis for, leave Friday. So it's currently Thursday right now, I'm recording, and this will be published on Saturday morning. So, you know, there's going to be a little different, may not be stuff out, so, uh, you know, it's going to be... It's going to be interesting. You know, it could be a little different, but uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. We have a great show today. You know, Brandon's going to come on. We're going to talk about the Nashville race, first race at Nashville in over 37 years. We'll talk about that. It's been, goddamn, it's been an interesting week in the NBA. I mean, you think about everything that has gone on in the NBA, the all-NBA teams, the coaches' changes, Rick Carlisle stepped down today, the stuff with them, all the GM stuff with the Mavericks. It's just been a crazy week. Kawhi, the Kawhi news. Now, my big thing with Kawhi, now I this this is my hot take with Kawhi, that this is the same situation or similar situation to the Spurs. Kawhi's people didn't want him to play, and the Spurs pressured him to play. Kawhi, we, Kawhi had the MRI, wasn't a torn, but his people didn't like something, and they just decided to shut him down. And the Clippers know that if Kawhi leaves, their franchise is fucked. So they, their hands are tied. So they're like, dude, just do it. Just do your thing. Do your thing because we'd rather have you long term. And the thing is now is it, they have to do it. Because if he leaves, they're fucked. They're literally fucked if he leaves. Because all their draft picks, they mortgage their whole future to get Kawhi. So, I mean, I, I get it. It makes sense what they're doing. But... After seeing Harden go out there at one leg where he could have seriously got hurt, and Kawhi, it's like, eh, you know, come on. Also, on top of that, with the Clippers, it's important to remember, we're seeing Paul George going back to being the alpha instead of the beta, meaning he's back to being Batman like he was in the Indianapolis days when he played for the Pacers instead of Robin, which he's been at the Thunder and at the um, Clippers. So he's back to being the man. He looked great the other night against the Jazz. You know, he was distributing distributing the whole nine yards. I really liked what I saw from him. It looked like the old Paul George. But that's the thing. Are you going to be able to rely on that Paul George for the whole playoffs? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't think so. I took the Jazz to win the series. I'm going to take the Jazz Friday night. I don't believe you can take, you can trust... Paul George to lead your team to the promised land. And let's not forget Reggie Jackson's playing in an insane clip. For all my Pistons fans out there, we know that Reggie Jackson cannot at all maintain this clip. 
So I expect on Friday night, like I said, this is Thursday. I'm recording this before I hop on the Gino Bacala podcast. Again, thanks for Gino for letting me come on every single week and spit my NBA nonsense. Um, I really, I think they win it, and I think the Jazz end up winning the series. That's why I took the bet. I think the Jazz win tomorrow night. So it's really going to be interesting to see if Paul can maintain it. But I don't think Paul or Jackson, like I said, are going to be able to maintain that. Another thing, there's been all this stuff going on with the Mavericks. And let's kind of, let's kind of sit back, okay? Everyone knows that stars run the NBA, okay? Stars run the NBA. You have a 22-year-old generational talent who's one of the top players in the league right now. And Rick Carlisle's walking away. Donnie Nelson, who had a great relationship with Luca. Luca was upset he left. Walked away. Parted ways. Why? Because Mr. NBA Betts Harbasas, that's how you say his name, is basically his analytics is ruining the Mavericks. He has come in. He is using analytics to say who should be playing, who should they draft, the player personnel moves, all that stuff. And here's my thing. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a certain part of me and stuff I do that trusts the analytics, that does the analytics, all that stuff. But, guys, that can only take you so far. When you get six feet and over men that are just made nothing of muscle on an enclosed space, like, analytics can only take you so far. And also, you don't know about the person. Nothing that Chris Paul does, quote-unquote, analytically, is a winning thing. But you look at the Chris Paul factor, what he does to these teams. You cannot tell me that analytics say to take Chris Paul. You, Another guy, you look at Jay Crowder. You cannot tell me that analytics say to sign Jay Crowder. But you look at what Crowder's done. Boston misses him. Miami misses him. I would love to see him in a Milwaukee uniform. Milwaukee could use his ass right now. And he's not there. Not, he, he's another player that isn't supported by analytics, but he's a winning player and someone I'd want on my team. So analytics right now is forcing the Mavericks into having their organization and their coaching a certain way. Because for Carlisle to walk away from what Dallas has in Luka speaks volumes. Now, the big rumor is that they're going to hire Jamal Mosley to be the coach because he has a great relationship with Luka. Another name I'm hearing is Kalapari. Kalapari came out on Yahoo that says he wants to come back to the NBA. This could make sense. Chauncey Billups, like I said numerous times, Chauncey's going to have his pick. Chauncey has his pick of jobs he wants. Sam Cassell, but and someone brought up a good point to me about Sam Cassell. The thing with Sam Cassell is, why hasn't he gotten a job yet? Is there something about him that is not allowing teams to take an opportunity on him? Like, why hasn't he got a job yet? That's something to think about. And then another one is the former Real Madrid coach, Pablo Lasso, who, I'll be honest, I've never heard of this guy before, but I know that he has a great relationship with Luca. And if Luca's running the franchise, you want to please him, it, it makes the most sense. You want the hire to be him, to be that guy. But I've said numerous times, like I said last podcast, the main thing this organization needs to do 
is figure out what to do with Christoph Porzingis. Because it's been clear that the Porzingis-Luka relationship isn't working. And it's not good. I've been saying this for a year on my podcast and on Gino Pacala's podcast. That's what G said. That Luka and Christoph don't like each other. And let's be honest. With Luka's usage rate, Dallas ain't winning anything. This team needs to be completely reconstructed. He is doing way, 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 way too much. And it's really going to be an interesting offseason in Dallas to see, like, where they go. Like, are they going to hire a new GM? Or is ship, ship coins going to do it? Are they going to, who are they going to hire as their coach? Like, what direction is this team going? They're kind of strapped, as I pointed out last week, in terms of salary cap. So it's going to be a really interesting offseason in Dallas. Another team that made big headlines yesterday when they blew their lead was the Philadelphia 76ers. Ben Simmons was the first person who was a guard to miss 10 three throws in a game. The thing is, you have somebody, Darren Morley, who came over, and after seeing what happened, I think he's totally going to blow this thing up. You cannot have Ben Simmons, who's a supermax player, not be on the court because he can't make a three throw. And the funny thing is, is I played some basketball back in the day. I went to a camp. Rick Barry came in, talked, and he taught us how to do the granny-style three throw. I made it. Everyone else was making it. We all kind of made fun of him. But when we made it a little bit, we saw how easy it was. And he was so great at instructing how to do it. Now, granted, three throws is one of the better parts of my game because I'm a natural, natural shooter. But I don't understand is why don't the 76ers bring in Rick Barry and have him teach Ben Simmons how to shoot three throws, how to just do the underhand and make it. Is Ben Simmons, like, going to be too embarrassed doing it? And I kind of feel like he would be. I feel like some of these NBA players are going to be too caught up what people think about them to be willing to have Rick Barry come in, who is one of the greatest three-throw shooters ever, and just teach you how to do the underhand flip. And it kind of speaks a lot about society that we're in right now. That's everyone and their aunt is so fucking worried what other people think of you that a guy wouldn't do that. And even back to his LSU days, LSU did not make the NCAA tournament because Ben Siemens could not make three throws. At the end of those SEC games, SEC coaches were following Ben Simmons. LSU didn't go to the NCAA tournament. They got invited to the NIT. Simmons says, seduces, I'm going to the league, and they turned down the bid. This has been going on for a while. And until he figures it out mentally or says, hey, you know what, I'm going to try this, or I'm going to try a different way. I'm going to get a shooting doctor. He just needs something else. Because with everything he can do, he's not doing enough. And now with Philly, you have him and Embiid. Are, are we ready to give up on the process? Are we ready to say the process doesn't work, guys? Are we? I, I, I am. Embiid stand, can't stay healthy. And I, for everybody that knows me, I hate Joel Embiid. He is a look-at-me, look-at-me player. Now, if he was a true leader, he would have got those guys in check yesterday. But he didn't get those guys in check at all, and they lost the game that they shouldn't have lost. It's going to be interesting to see the game on Friday night, what team comes out. What are we going to see from the Atlanta Hawks and the 76ers? I cannot wait, and I am really interested to see 
what happens, what transpires. Another coaching option that opened up was the Wizards. Now, with the Wizards, we need to remember that this team was awful, going nowhere, and the Brooks got it together and they made an insane push. This was without a doubt the best push of a team that was destined not to make the playoffs to make the playoffs. But Brooks and the Wizards just couldn't agree to terms. Now you have an interesting job that has Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, and that young kid, Hamachimura, and Thomas Bryant. So it's an interesting job. Do I think you can win a title with those guys? No. Do I think you can win a playoff series? Yeah. So it's an interesting job. A couple guys, I mean, for me, it's a no-brainer to hire West Unseld Jr. Why is that? He's been an assistant coach for a while. Dad used to is a Wizard Bullets legend, which used to be the name, the team name of the Wizards. So, in my eyes, that's a no-brainer. Mark Jackson, Mark Jackson, I don't understand why he hasn't got another job. I really don't think he's that good of a coach. I don't think the Warriors would have been the Warriors. Draymond Green even said he'd be in the D League right now if Steve Turner didn't become the coach. So. I don't think he's that good of a coach, but does he deserve another job? Damn right. He deserves another job. He deserves another go-around at it. And Robert Pack. Robert Pack's been an assistant coach in the NBA for 10 years. He's been on the, the Wizards bench. I think he would be good to give him a run if they look to hire someone internally. So that's another interesting thing. Another job that came available is the Pelicans. And we need to remember, the thing with the Pelicans is this. This is going to be... Zion's third different coach in three years. That's number one. Number two, this is going to be Lonzo Ball's fourth different coach. Brandon Ingram's fourth different coach. There comes a point where you need to have a consistent fucking voice to get these players to develop because this is the growth for these players. And now a new report came out that someone in Zion's family doesn't feel that the Pelicans are doing a good enough job surrounding Zion with the players that he needs to be successful and that he wants out of New Orleans. It's like, Jesus Christ. You look at that roster. You have Ingram, Zion Williams, Ball improved tremendously, Jason Haynes, Stephen Adams, Eric Bledsoe. Now, granted, Bledsoe's on a decline and everything, but I really feel that this team should be better than it is. And the thing with Stan Van Gundy is this. He is such an old-school-minded coach, he didn't necessarily make the adaption to the new NBA. And that's why he had to go. He had a straight relationship with Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram is one of the most important pieces that that franchise has. In fact, he's probably the second most important piece behind Zion. Will he be able to take that step where he's one of the top players in the NBA? I don't think so, but I think he could be a top 15 player in the NBA. I easily. I think... Paul George could be a ceiling, a player that can lead a team to a second round of the playoffs, but not a championship. So it's an interesting hire, and this is a hire that Griffin has to get right. This is a hire that Griffin needs to knock out of the park so those guys can develop and can move forward with their development and everything, because they have a good, young core of players. I mean, obviously, for me, I think it's a no-brainer. I think they should just go internally hire Teresa, Teresa Witherspoon. The only thing is, and I don't mean this to be sexist. I really don't. If this comes off as sexist, I'm sorry. I do not mean it to be like this. But any coach that is a female and is the first female, that's going to be the story. And 
It's just the way it is. I don't mean to be mean, but the reality of the situation is that's what it is. If you hire a female coach, it's going to be the story. Now, are those young players going to be able to handle it when the coach is the focal point and not them? These are young 20-year-old men with egos. Think how we used to be when we were young, dumb, and 20. Some of us listening to this could still be young, dumb, and 20. And just, could you handle your coach being the center of attention, being the first one at the podium, being answered all the questions? I don't know. I don't know. Looking back at it, for me, if I was in that position, I'd like to say I could be able to handle it, but I probably wouldn't. And I will say right now, if they hire Jason Kidd, it will be a huge mistake. In my eyes, you look at what Kidd did to Anadokubo's jump shot. He ruined it with the hand placement on the ball. The stuff with the domestic assault. I really don't think that Kidd should get another chance. He's had a couple chances to be a coach. I think Kidd is better off as an assistant coach and isn't a guy that you want leading an NBA team. Also, one more thing with the NBA the awards were coming out this past week. Um, how the fuck is Lamar Ball Rookie of the Year? He missed, I think it was like over 25% of the games. 25% of the games, and you're giving him the award. To me, that is just awful. And if you voted for Ball, you shouldn't be allowed to vote again. That is inexcusable. Playing games matters. That's why I didn't think Embiid should be on the NBA MVP list. And also with this, is you look at NBA first, second, and third team. If players make that, it creates more money for them. Now, if a reporter who has a vote has a beef with player X and doesn't vote for him, that could cost them making the all-NBA team. You look at Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum had more votes than Kyrie Irving, but because the forwards are so deep that it didn't allow him to be on it. So that's why I truthfully feel with the All-NBA teams, there shouldn't be any positions like there are in the All-Star game. There's no positions. Everybody, top five, that's the one. Top Next five, two, next five, three with votes. That's how it should be. Because some of these players that had tremendous seasons are just getting punished. And that's unfair to them, and that doesn't help put money into their pocket. And I'm not a fan of that at all. So that's kind of my NBA rant. Also, in terms of sports betting, guys, you know, packages are open. Just a reminder, though, that I toned down the bets in baseball at the beginning of July. Now, why is that? Well, teams start to mail it in. Teams just start going through the motions. I mean, there'll be certain times when a pitcher is debuting that I'll look at. A team needs a win or stuff like that. You know, I'll, I'll be looking for stuff like that. I have, like, all this criteria I look at. But the volume is going to be drastically cutting down. Those of you that are part of the team, that email has been sent explaining why we cut it down. But, you know, we still have NASCAR, UFC, Euro, all the free picks are up. And also, my draft guide will be coming out. This week, NASCAR is going to the Nashville Super Speedway. This is going to be the first time they're returning 
back to this track in 37 years. So as always, on we're going to have Brandon come on. We're going to talk a little NASCAR. Brandon, how you doing today, man? Doing good, my man. Ready for this weekend. How about yourself? You know what? I got no complaints, and uh, you know I'm ready to hopefully cash some tickets and drink some beers this weekend, my man. Um, so this is the first time, like I said, in 37 years, Nat NASCAR is coming back to the Nashville Super Speedway. Um, so what what do you know about this track? It's D-shaped, 1.33 mile intermediate. Um, you're what else can you tell everyone about this? this uh speedway it's a concrete track kind of like darlington and uh in dover uh nascar did do a different strategy they brought out um some compound they put on the track and then also they have in layman's terms just a tire roller to be able to put grip in the track because these guys have not raced here um it is going to eat the tires up really really bad so you're going to see guys fast early and then adjust as they go on, and depending on tire wear, who can save the best, I think that's what you're going to see out front. Uh, I just ran some laps on it on iRacing, and uh, it's quick, it's real quick, uh, very tight racing, um, nothing up against the wall. I think you're going to see low low riders and uh, maybe middle groove as soon as the tires start wearing off, but uh, it should be it should be set for some good racing this weekend. And it's always tough. Like, I hate it betting the the unknown like i hate it and so i'm really having a hard time um figuring out what to do here i just pulled up the entry list for the xfinity series and i mean custer custard's in a ride cendrick's in a ride reddick is running um kyle bush is running austin dillon is running so you have a couple guys that are getting some run in in the xfinity series do you think that favors those guys at all? or? Absolutely. Um, as we know, they are different cars. Um, they're shaped differently, so the arrow is different. The, the drafting package is different. Um, it is a little different, but any type of laps that you can turn at that track that you've never been at before, the more it's going to feed for you going into the weekend on Sunday. Um, and with you saying Kyle Busch has entered in the Xfinity race, um, that is one guy that will definitely be on my card for sure, sitting at uh, 9-1. to one. This is Kyle's type of stuff he does. He's one at what, every track but one. Uh, usually when they go to a new track or, or make any type of change, he's always the guy to find a way to get it done. So I, I'm heavily leaning on him with the number one odds to be a competitor on Sunday. I also forgot to mention Harvick. Harvick is also in the Xfinity race. What any anything from Harvick on Harvick's end, or I mean, I it seems to me with him, he's just been struggling with speed to keep up with everybody. To be honest, it seems that way. But I will tell you this: Harvick is going to have the best looking paint scheme out of everybody. If any of you have ever watched Monster Jam before in your life, he is running a full blown Grave Digger paint scheme. Oh no! Which way. is going to be awesome to see. Um, him also running in the Xfinity race. I mean, you've talked about him for five or six weeks. The man's due for one. Could it be this week? First time ever out of track. 13 to 1 odds. When do you ever find that man double odds like that? You, you don't. So uh, that is another guy that I wouldn't mind putting on the card as well. And to your point, like you said out the gate, I'm with you in this. Guys, 
we could throw out darts here and we could throw out zingers that just that pay big, win big, and it'd be good. But none of us, no no betting person, Vegas, nobody knows what's to come on Sunday. So if you are going to lock guys in at a certain number, I'd highly recommend it before the Xfinity race even starts. Because if Kyle or Harvick dominate in that race, these high odds that they have now will drastically change before the race on Sunday. Oh, and people are going to react to it because you hit it on the head. People have no idea what's going to happen. If they see one of these guys do well, they're just going to pound on it. Uh, we're witnessing the last couple, well, I'll say month, one of the most dominant stretches I can remember in NASCAR with Kyle Larson. Right now, he's been bet all the way down to plus 275. Any A, what are your thoughts on this run we've been seeing from Larson? And B, is it to the point where you just bet him and just that's it? No. Um, first, first question. Very impressive for a man that didn't run one NASCAR race last year to be rattling off wins like this. Amazing. Two, Hendrick Motorsports is doing something in their shop that nobody else is doing. Because between Larson, Elliott, Byron, Bowman, all of them are quick every week. And even Brad Keselowski said, even with this tight draft package that they used at Texas, he said, Hendrick Motorsports is doing something that we're not, and we got to get to work. Um, but after saying all of that, he will be my fade when it comes to winning the race this week. He is a high-line driver. He loves the high line. He loves being on the edge. It's not going to be like that this week. One, two. I've watched NASCAR long enough, and we all know these streaks come to an end. And when I say end, just either a bad week or a mediocre week, and I see that coming for him this week because I just don't see how you continue that style of dominance against other guys like Elliott, Hamlin, Bush, Truex. I, I just don't see it. So we're recording this early on Wednesday just because I have a commitment this week, and Brandon's been great just to you know, come on a little bit early, and there's no head-to-head props out yet. Typically speaking, Larson is usually head-to-head with Truex and Elliott. So you mentioned fading him. Would that be something you'd look to do? Would you take a Truex in a matchup with Elliott? Or would you, uh, excuse me, Truex with a match matchup against Larson? Or Larson against a matchup with Elliott? I, w- I would take anybody but Larson. I just, I, I've got a weird feeling. He won the all-star race. He won the race before. He won the race before that. Like, it it, it, it happens a couple weeks in a row, and it's impressive. But the fact that he's done it this long, that cold streak has to hit. And I just got a feeling of this being a new track that nobody's ran at before. I can't put money on a man that's $2.75 to every dollar. It just, uh, it comes back to me to ROI. And... I mean, I've talked about this before. I'm in this chat with some people, and I'm sorry, I'm not a chalk better. There's some people that are chalk betters and they live by it. That's not my style. And this guy has bragged in our group chat about hitting a three to one chalk in NASCAR three weeks in a row. And it's just like, dude, are you even making money with everything you're throwing out? Um, with that being with that being said. And I'm just speaking pennies here just to kind of put it in perspective. You got Larson at two dollars and seventy-five cents to one. I'd rather throw a dollar on Dylan, Reddick, Kurt Bush at forty, forty, and fifty to one before I'd even 
think of throwing $10 on Larson. Exactly. I mean, like, I'm going to lean. Now, you made an excellent point earlier. You mentioned how the people from Hendrick were going good. Um, Byron's at 12 to 1. You know what I mean? I would throw a little money on uh, on Byron. I have liked what I've seen from Tyler Reddick. I think he's headed in the right direction. He's running the Xfinity. I'd take him at 40 to 1, like you said. Another guy that, you know, he just kind of seems to be there. Uh, Chris well, Buescher, plus, plus 325 for Chris Buescher. You know, I'd... Those are all guys I would be more invest. I'd be more willing to take a Busher three twenty five than a Larson two seventy five to win. I, I'm absolutely with you on that. And this, I hate to use the sprinkle system multiple weeks in a row, but with the un, so many unknowns, I rather I rather go into it. It's just like in, anything. I rather go into it. If you think about it, at a at a at a blackjack table, I rather go into it and have five hands to play with house money than one hand to play with house money before I got to dial back into my pocket. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I know with me, the way I do stuff, everybody is half a unit. If someone's a little chalky, one unit, and I'll probably pick four guys, half a unit a piece, wipe my hands. That's my betting tar. That's my betting card. Like I said, I'll probably go Harvick. I'll probably tail you. On your Kyle Bush, I will take a swing with, um, excuse me, Tyler Reddick. And then I will also take a swing with uh, Joey Logano. All right, those are your swings. My swings are going to be Kurt Bush and Matty D. Kurt Bush at 50 to 1 and Matty D at 8 to 1. Okay. Um, now, we didn't, we should have led with this, and that's my mistake. What did you think about the format on the All Star race? It was ridiculous. It was just it was just too much, like too much going on. Who's got the fastest pit stop in this cycle? And oh well, we're inverting the entire field for the next stage. Well, I might as well finish towards the back in that stage. Well, if you do, you're going to get a lot of points, and the one who has the least amount of points gets to do the. It was just set the stage racing up. I don't mind the random invert of the field because you don't know if it's one car or 20 cars. That That's pretty neat. But other than that, just let these guys race. Um, the racing itself was phenomenal. Probably one of the best racing packages I've seen all year. But there's just too much. There, there's times I sit sitting there, I was like, so so what what's happening next? Okay, I'm just going to wait until they line up again because I have no clue what's going on. It's like they tried to make it too cute you know what i mean it's like everyone always tries to tinker stuff and you're right i mean it from for me it was just i had no no idea what was going on i was trying to figure it out and i think i ended up turning it to basketball to be honest with you um so in terms of dfs dfs is going to be tricky a little bit this week do you think this is a week where you can say hey you know what i'm going to go against the grain larson's going to be the chalk no lineups with Larson in it. You mentioned earlier in head-to-heads, you're looking to fade him. What about DFS? Yeah, D- D- DFS, I'm going to fade him. Um, I'm struggling even talking about DFS because with about 20 laps to go in the, in the or 40 laps, excuse me, in the truck race, I was sitting on 5Gs on a $10 entry and only ended up pulling out $25. And then I screenshotted another one in the cup race 
I was sitting at 280 bucks on a $15 entry and only pulled out 25 So really not best friends with DFS. But um, I think this is the week that you do try and grab long shots and you try and uh, grab track position points. Um, I would be fading guys like Larson. Um, I think you'll see Hamlin get out of track like this. But uh, I'd rather have a squad of one good guy, one really good guy and multiple mediocres than grabbing the heavy, heavy hitters and having the picks on the bottom of the pile. So I would try and play that more mediocre lineup and have one good guy that you know is going to be up front for a while and possibly lead some laps because it is a 399-lap race. Or, I'm sorry, 300-lap race. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to play one of those mediocre lineups this week. I They don't – oh, my God. But this is how early we are looking. They don't even have prices set yet, my man. So we are recording this very early. Um, one of the guys, I saw Truex, he opened up, I believe, at 9-1. to Because that was the big thing going around Twitter. And he's currently the second race favorite at plus 650. Any thoughts there? I mean, that's not that's not a bad one. I would absolutely take that over 275. Um, I expect him to be in it. The guys, this race is going to be grueling on these guys. You are going to see a different strategy. That's why it's so hard. You're going to want to pay attention to live betting for sure. Um, because you're going to see a lot of different strategies early on in the race for these guys to figure out what the hell's going on. Um, if you can listen to the in-car radio with the NASCAR track pass, absolutely do it and kind of bounce back between some guys because they're going to be looking for major adjustments after that first run. Um, I don't know if they're doing a competition caution on lap 25 or not, but uh, you're, you're going to see drastic strategies because n- nobody knows. They, they have nothing to go off of from any race previously. So that brings us to one of the things that have been very popular this year is this in-game in live betting. I was able to hit Logano based on our, our conversation we had about Bristol. You were talking up Logano and his pit chief, and I watched the Bristol race. I liked what I saw with from Logano, so I locked him in, able to catch him at 10-1. to 1. So these live odds, like if you're seeing something, if you had a guy, a fringe guy, hypothetically, let's just throw a name out there as a fringe guy. Uh, let's say Kozlowski. Kozlowski was a fringe guy. Currently trading at 12 to 1. You like how he's rolling. He would be a great guy to take a stab at, guys. So like you can have like a little list, but it's also important. I kind of look at lap speed or if one of the commentators are talking about how fast someone is, or the tire rotation. When you go to bet live, Brandon, what what is something you look at? I'm telling you guys, I'm really, really big. You spend the $25, download the NASCAR app, you get the live audio, you hear everything they're discussing. So if you do see a guy on TV that you're like, oh, I think he's moving really well, his lap times look really good, go click on his radio and listen to him for a couple laps because his lap times may look good and you may hear him say, I'm going to be falling off soon. It's not where I want it. I'm too tight. And it might look good on TV, but now that you're hearing that, you're not going to throw money on him in a lot bit. Um, If you don't do that, then all you're doing is looking at lap times and the amount of laps on their tires compared to other tires. And um, 
where they're running on the track. Is it the same line they ran at the beginning, or are they adjusting and moving somewhere else to find more speed? Um, but I'm just I'm huge on the app. I use it every week. Um, it's paid huge dividends to me because there may be a guy that's in the the packs. Hey, we're going to short pit here. That way, from the final stage, we're starting up front. And just those little keys work in favor when it comes to lot that. Brandon, I cannot thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule when you're preparing for your race tomorrow uh, to come on and talk a little NASCAR and help everyone out with the Nash- Nashville Super Speedway race. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media? Off the Post Boston Sports on uh, Instagram and Facebook or Twitch for iRacing, Road to Pro tomorrow night, 9 p.m., twitch.tv slash bostonboy83. You can get an app for it, computer, whatever you need. Come join us tomorrow. It's our last week to get in top 70, so it uh, should be a good time. Make sure you send me that link. I will put it out on all my accounts. Guys, make sure you're supporting Brandon. He's been a great help to the show. Brandon, best of luck to you, and uh, let's cash some tickets, my man. Sounds good. Appreciate it, bud. Thank you for Brandon for coming on, guys. If you're not watching Brandon's iRacing, support him anyways, please make sure you go out there. He's come above and beyond, giving time out of his weekly schedule to come on, give you guys winner, drop his knowledge in terms of NASCAR, and he's connected. He knows, guys. He knows what's going on. He raced iRacing on the Nashville track, so he could give you guys some intel. So, guys, please go support him in what he is doing. That's it for today's show. Like I said, we're recording this early. It usually comes out on Saturday, but I usually, excuse me, I usually record it on Saturday. But because of my work schedule, going down to Indianapolis, coaching some kids, I'm not able to do that. So it's coming out a couple days. I'm recording a couple days in advance. We'll still be released Saturday. Initial reaction to the Bucks game. Giannis didn't shoot any threes, and that's what it's going to take for them to be successful. I still don't understand why Bobby Portis isn't playing any minutes. Chris Middleton, I mean, Jesus Christ, that guy makes difficult shot after difficult shot. In the end of that third quarter, when he scored those six points in 50 seconds, that was the game. If Middleton doesn't do that, they're not walking out of Milwaukee with that win. Brooklyn would have came back and won it. I like the Bucs. I think the Bucs are going to get it done. I already locked in the game under. I'll definitely be on the first half under as soon as that line is released. Make sure you get on those right away. So that's two free plays given out. Remember that Euros, we'll be giving out free plays every single day of the championship. So far, we're 6-5 and five plus 3.34 units. I just gave out the plays for Friday. Dude, we're four deep on Friday. We're, we're locked and loaded. So make sure you uh, are following me for those. Two free plays I just gave out in the NBA. Gave out some NASCAR bets. Guys, let's cash some tickets, drink some beers, and I will be back next week week anyone interested in the sports betting packages becoming part of the team let's hit me up guys let's start the process process also remember wednesday winners every wednesday a fantasy football player that will help you win a fantasy football title and draft guide draft guide is going to be live end of july beginning of august so make sure you guys hit me up for that be safe be well drink some beers cash some tickets until next week boys